Hello. And welcome to Triple B. <laughs> Today, we are discussing Verity by Colleen Hoover. And we are making crazy cauliflowers. Oh, crazy. I'm Katie Futrell. I'm Jenny Lynn. We are the Book, Book Bunch, Bunch. And we're, we're doing, doing brunch. brunch. Spoilers for today. Uh, triggers, warnings. All kinds of stuff today. There's lots of potential spoilers because this is a, a book that has kind of similar to our left, has quite the twist twist ending, so to speak. So definitely, definitely spoilers because we are going to be discussing that twist as it's a major yep. <laughs> plot point. Yep. I don't think there's any way around that. Lots of warnings and, and triggers. Mm-hmm. Our usual... We'll say it every time we swear, get used to it. Um, and then on top of that, this book has themes around child abuse and neglect, substance abuse, uh, death of loved ones, murder, suicide, poverty, postpartum depression. And if you have anything in those areas, this book may be triggering for you. And going right into what we're going to call our tabletop teaser. This is for you folks who might want to hear this description and stop this podcast if you haven't read the book yet so you can take some time to read it. Because, again, it is like a thriller. There's a twist. So if this sounds like something that's up your alley, you might Go want to take it. a pause and, and come back not, later. And if not, you can just come along with us for the ride <laughs> and be like, whoa, this book sounds crazy. <laughs> so the description of this book is quite long. So I'm only going to read the first two paragraphs just to give you a little taste. Lowen Ashley is a struggling writer on the brink of financial ruin, and she accepts the job offer of a lifetime. Jeremy Crawford, husband of best-selling author Verity Crawford, has hired Lowen to complete the remaining books in a successful series his injured wife is unable to finish. Lowen arrives at the Crawford home, ready to sort through years of Verity's notes and outlines, hoping to find enough material to get her started. What Lowen doesn't expect to uncover is the chaotic is in the chaotic office is an unfinished autobiography Verity never intended anyone to read. Hey, very on par with the what movie we watched last night. Oh yeah, kind of. <laughs> Somehow that keeps happening. <laughs> page after page of bone chilling admission, including Verity's recollection of the night her family was forever altered. <gasps> Oh my. It goes on past this, but I don't know why you would want to on the back of it. It's quite long. And to be perfectly honest, I did not read the back of the book before I like dove into this. Me neither. I did my usual, uh, let's check out the cover and see if I can guess what the heck's going on. And I don't know about you, but I did not accurately predict anything from this cover. No, the cover is interesting but not very compelling in a way it it would not it wouldn't if i was walking through the bookstore and i saw this on the shelf it would not cause me to stop and be like Ooh, what's that oh let's start describing the cover for those of you that don't have it yeah 
one of the things that's appealing to me is the background is black. I like a dark cover personally. That's more appealing to my eye. Um, a nice, like, I assume that's like kind of like a person's signature, the title of the book. Verity is the author in the book that we were talking about in that. So it's got some nice, and we got the yellow on black, which I like. I love like a, a bright color on a dark background, much almost, more than dark on light. It's almost like goldish though. It's a, it's a muted yellow. It's not like a, it's certainly not a bright, happy yellow. And the title of the book is very scripty. It almost looks like a like the author's signature, her, mm-hmm. her first name, and then we the author, this- the actual author's name is very blocky and when I was looking at her other books because Colleen Hoover has quite a few that's how her name always kind yeah. of appears on this blocky text. That's what so. I like consistency. Yeah. I like consistency. Yeah. So note if you ever become a published author I would like to help you figure out your, how your name is going to always appear. Oh amazing. <laughs> great. Great. Well at least one thing. Check that off. It is to worry about. And then it has the mirror image of I'm assuming a woman with this nebula of scribbles including her image. That's kind of a nice way to describe it. And I mean, it all kind of fits. We, we'll get into it, I'm sure, when we talk a little bit more about the plot, but the kind of not dual personalities, but dual stories of, of yeah. how things actually happen. So there's the who you present as, who you really are. There's exactly. The, you know, my written voice versus me as a person. And for some reason, and I, I could be completely off basis. So as you said, we're assuming it's a woman on the cover, though you can really only see knees and below of, of the legs. The rest of the image is obscured. But I almost thought it was like kids' legs a little bit more than adult yeah. legs. Like they're a little pudgier. Like I'm definitely legs. eliminating like an adult male or like a very weightlifting female and there are the two twin daughters in the book so i almost thought it was something along those lines too and is it just me or does the lower image have red on the pants and the upper one not so oh i think you're right i didn't even notice that before which would make sense as as we alluded to there's lots of murder and uh, violence and things that happen in the book but i think you're right in the inverted image there is red where not oh which is very interesting it's very subtle so that's kind of cool i think you're right i think kids not female which would make sense not one of the girls um well they both die but and to be fair the children are girls so mm-hmm. we're both right we're just <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is great but as far as the kind of web or i kind of was thinking web originally just because again multiple storylines and multiple things kind of colliding, but it doesn't look like a spider web. It's... No. It does remind me of, do you know, like, they have that, like, trope in movies when someone's, like, really pissed off at a person, they take their picture and they scribble their face out? Hmm. Okay. Sure. That's what it reminded me of. And I would say that that yellow color kind of reminded me of kind of the trope that they do in movies when it's a flashback. They usually put, like, a yellow mm-hmm. wash on things, and especially if they're going to flip and forth so you can quite instantly tell oh this is a current scene this is a flashback scene so it kind of reminded me of that too i like that now that we discovered the little the the blood (laughs) patch in the the other image i'm a little bit more convinced i like it more than i did before the kid she didn't like and the kid she right right Uh, so very 
I mean, overall, I guess it, it gets the job done. Again, it wouldn't pull me in if I was just no. passing by. One of the pluses I'll give it, and you guys all know if you've listened with us for a while, I don't like stock images. I realize we can't get around them all the time. It's just a matter of how the industry works. Um, however, this one I feel like did a pretty good job of utilizing them compared to some of the other books we've used. I didn't... Whoever like designed the cover, I think, had a good image in mind when they went mm-hmm. and put this together versus... Like my cover of Neverwhere, I was like, this is a lot of stock image and you can kind of tell versus this one. I feel like it was executed nicely. Yeah. It is. All right. Moving on to control facts for the day. As usual, I like to, I like to usually focus on the author, so they give them a little, little shout out, especially in the last one, it was a very kind of unknown author. Mm -hmm. Colleen Hoover is, is quite famous as far as I can tell. Yeah. When we started reading this, and I, I gave some of my friends a list of books for this month. Several of them were like, let me know how that one is, because they've read her and mm. like her. This is my first one. It seems like she's dabbling in, I'm sure she writes, like, full-on romances, and maybe even full-on thrillers, and this is kind of a blend of those, so that's usually not necessarily genres that I seek out, so that's probably why romance this passed me, me by. But very famous. She's got 24 published books currently. Number one, New York Times bestselling author, uh, 43 currently, and uh, in the past worked as a social worker and a teacher, which is Woo, cool. social so worker and the teacher. Two most noble professions you can possibly have. I did I have soft spots for social workers and teachers. I need them a lot. <laughs> I did also find out she started a, a foundation, a charitable foundation called the Bookworm Box. And they host book signings every year, and I believe it's still going on. And it features uh, over 200 authors, and then an auction as well to raise food for, or not raise food, raise funds for food banks and other <laughs> charities across the nation. She's a very good fit for us. And, so, and they have donated, that foundation has donated over a million dollars. Colleen Hoover, if this ever comes out to you, you sound like the kind of person we'd like to have on our podcast. And then, this was like a trade. This might be interesting for people who have actually read Fifty Shades of Grey. I have not, but I knew the author's name, E.L. James, which I know is not her actual name, but it's what she goes by to write those books. And when I was working at Half Price Books, was when those books like boomed. <laughs> so I saw those a lot, and I was familiar with the name. And I noticed that Colleen Hoover thanked E.L. James in the acknowledgments. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the same. And it does sound like. E.L. James was kind of part of that charity or her book kind of got promoted as part of that charity and yeah so they're friends and it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting like it. and then the last thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Verity the title the definition just because it's not I've known it as a name and it was one of those definitions where like vaguely I knew what it meant but I if you asked me to describe it, I probably wouldn't be able to like do it exactly right. I have watched a lot of My Little Pony. <laughs> and Verity is one of the characters' names on there. She is like known for being very authentic and kind. That makes sense. Verity is defined as uh, the quality or state of being real. So, uh, especially when it comes to like a true belief or or principle, which is obviously very fitting for this book in a way because there's that dual idea of what what's real is mm-hmm. going on through through this entire thing, especially. So an apt name. Mm-hmm. So. 
Those are your facts. Props. And now I have prepared for you our lovely um, shitty summary. We'll see how I did. <laughs> I, I like these because just I don't see these beforehand. <laughs> a baby author? I don't even know what that means off the bat. What's a baby author? So a lot of times in <laughs> in my circle of colleagues, uh, we refer to uh, new clinicians or social workers with a bachelor's as like baby social workers because mm. they're new. Mm. Okay. A baby author? <laughs> Is pulled up to the big leagues at the whim of a Rico Rico Suave? Who's that? Who's Rico Suave? You have Suave Suave. It's a word for like the romance guy with the long hair oh. that just. Whisks I thought you that was like um, crap. I can't remember what I, I, think I thought it, it came was from an actual person. Fabio. I thought that was Fabio. Mm-hmm. With like the long, the one who like rides the horse one. on the beach and like. I'm doing like hair motions. I don't know why I always act things out during podcasts. Okay, so I like the name Rico Suave better than Jeremy. She visits the dude crushes house. The dude crushes house. There you go. And neglects her job. I have much to say about that. To read his incapacitated wife's memoir. Turns out he fucks good and the wife ain't dead. Insert last minute letter find that ensures we think all the adults are wackos. <laughs> what I like about this summary so much is just like words that I haven't used in a while that like I love. I love wackos. That brings me <laughs> lots of joy for some reason. But <laughs> uh, hold up to the big league. There's all kinds of stuff in here. This I if I came across this, I would <laughs> <laughs> I have apparently a, a knack for, for shitty summaries. Put them all on Twitter and see what people think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, officially diving into this book. We've talked about our summary and our cover. We can talk about the book The itself. book itself. We have a... I think more than we think we have for this one. We're going to try and keep it. I think we have more thoughts. Of, I think if we could try and keep it quick quicker than normal i think we can fly through quotes because i don't I have so. any quotes i i i'm really not trying to shit on the on the writing itself it was very easy to read there was not it was not painful to read it was a step yeah. up from the previous book that we read in <laughs> quality of writing and prose i do agree i like the writing quite a bit better i did not find it overly quotable in any way there was no, no time where i needed to stop and Wow, that was amazing. But I think you have one quote. There seems to have been one for me on page 61. So it says, author's note. This is when she is talking about her her introduction to her memoir that Verity has written. She starts with, The thing I abhor the most about autobiographies are the counterfeit thoughts draped over every sentence. A writer should never have the audacity to write about themselves unless they're willing to separate every layer of protection between the author's soul and their book. The words should come directly from the center of the gut, tearing through flesh and bone as they break free. Ugly and honest and bloody, a little bit terrifying, but completely exposed. An autobiography encouraging the reader to like the author is not a true autobiography. No one is likable from the inside out. 
one should only walk away from an autobiography with at best an uncomfortable distaste for the author. <laughs> and while I do believe there are plenty of people that are likable from the inside out, I think it's like a true thing of like, a, you know, there's a purpose to an autobiography. And I like that concept of like, if you're really writing your true self, the good's coming with the bad and you're going to let your people know everything. So you shouldn't necessarily love the person in an autobiography you should see their whole self as they are. And that often comes with some dark parts. It's true. I would definitely agree with that. And I personally, I don't read a lot of autobiographies kind of because of that reason. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at political figures and famous actors, actresses, like nice watch. There's like usually like, you can just tell by the cover that, you know, (laughs) they look happy. Not that they aren't potentially happy. Maybe they (laughs) are, but especially when you're dealing with environments like politics, like Hollywood, where all of this, dark we know darkness does exist there and i just don't think people are going to come out unscathed and like sometimes it does come out but you can tell it's being told through a particular lens they've sat down and had discussions Mm -hmm. like how much can we tell or they call it like rose-colored glasses yes yes exactly versus like give me the whole truth and maybe that is i mean the concept in this autobiography in the book I liked the idea of it was never meant to be published while she was, like, alive. You right, right. Right. Um, and that's, like, the concept you get until you realize it's all fake. But the concept that it was never meant to be published while you're alive, I think, is one of the few ways that someone could allow themselves that full honesty. So I, sure. I have taken to, in my journaling, I do not expect anyone to publish an autobiography about me. But I do imagine that at some point someone will read it my grandkids will find it or i don't know some archaeologist digs up a fucking <laughs> pile of garbage someday whatever i can't i can't write my journals without feeling like there's an audience i don't know why that's okay but one of the things i try and do more and more is and partially because of this book i've been doing it more lately is stop trying to just paint a good image of myself or focus on the positives and letting all mm-hmm. those things come out. So I'm like, it's my fucking journal. Why am I trying to make myself sound good for an imaginary it's true. person it's reading very this? very true. It's very true. And unless I confront some of those things about me that I'm like, mm, you don't get anywhere. You don't progress yeah. as a person. So thank but. you, Colleen, for encouraging me to do more of that. That quote and kind of sparked me. That was, that was a good quote. I like that. So we have quite a few kind of just thoughts and opinions. I'm going to try to (laughs) organize them, I guess, in a way. So overall, one thing that I really liked, and it does flip back and forth between present tense and past tense for for the flashbacks in a way, even though we find out, like you said, it's not technically what happened. But I really like present tense is rare. Uh, You don't come across it as much. And there's something really refreshing about reading present tense. I agree. I'm a fan. I would probably go present tense preferred. Future tense will be weird. <laughs> and then past tense is kind of thing. But then it also comes with the uh, I do like present tense in the first person. Mm-hmm. I think present tense in that omniscient when I've read it yeah. sounds a bit weird. I would agree with that. And yeah, it just Past tense is so standard. Like when I first set out to write a book for the first time, it wasn't even like a question. It's like, oh, I'm gonna write it in past tense, right. and it just kind of happened. And 
it's know. hard to stay consistent with that yeah. too. But uh, yeah, there's something refreshing. It, it moves along. There's a, I, I really enjoy present tense. So that was something good. And one other question that I kind of had at the beginning of this book. So two of our main characters that we discussed was Lowen and Jeremy. Jeremy kind of got a, a physical description. Mm-hmm. And I think Lowen did just a little bit, but That's not right. really very much. And <laughs> so what happened to me, so I've been rewatching. This is going to sound like a tangent, but <laughs> it's going along with the point, I swear. Okay, I'll so I was <laughs> rewatching like episodes of MasterChef recently. And there's, of course, I can't remember what the contestant's <laughs> name was, but she's like one of the only vegetarians on it. And she seemed to be about uh, Lowen's age and semi-description. And for some reason, I like projected this this woman's face for Lowen because there wasn't heaps of description for okay. for this particular character. So, and it was just because it was something that I was watching recently and, you know, back to back episodes. Yeah, so it filled in um, this person's face. Awesome. And what you were... When I read your little prompt, the first thing I realized is I wasn't really picturing like the people as a whole. Like I have, hmm. like I have this whole layout for the house that they were in. in oh, interesting. And the people, I don't even picture Lowen since it's in first person. Like I just substitute myself oh. looking over. And then I have like foggy images of the rest of the characters that aren't really fleshed out in my head. They're just kind of like a body shape with like, it connects to like, the look connects to a part in my head, right? That, like, I know how it feels to, like, that look that she gives her when she's staring through the window, and it's really creepy. Like, that connects more to a feeling than an actual visual image hmm. in my head. That's fascinating. I never, even when books are first person, I usually don't insert myself as the kid. I still always feel like I'm, wa- I'm still watching <laughs> it happen in a way. So I think it might depend on how well I relate to the character. Ooh, okay. Because there are books that I don't do that. I think in this one, I do remember putting myself in her position, which means to a certain extent, I related to her, which I think is why I had such a strong reaction when she did the. She like lifted her pelvis to try and like make sure like, she got <laughs> pregnant, and I think that's why I had such a strong aversion to it. So it's like. No, I would never do that. <laughs> what was wrong with you? Perfect timing as we going to segue into here. So actually, the prompt for the previous question was, how do you visualize characters that don't really have much of a physical description? So if you have a different way, something else happens to you. If you import <laughs> TV characters or yourself, uh, or yourself uh, do you have a foggy image? Foggy like image. Uh, like do you watch it from inside their head or do you watch it from like above, like a creeper, like I kind of do? Do you have panoramas of the view yeah, or is uh, it like the running through the woods in everything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, drop us a comment. Let us know how you visualize your characters. Yeah. But going right and segueing into this is a mean bullet point. That I a just mean bullet it's point. a mean bullet point. It just says bad characters, and that does sound very mean, but I stand by it, I would, right. I would have to say. Define, how are you defining bad? Poorly written or evil? I uh, Not evil. I wouldn't care about okay. uh, evil characters or characters who, who do bad things are usually quite, quite interesting when they're done well. These are just very flat characters. I don't find any of them particularly interesting of our main three especially Lowen and Jeremy are very dull I kind of related to Lowen at the beginning 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, the whole writing thing. Yeah. Author. She has again authors like writing about authorship. They do. <laughs> she has admitted to kind of being a, a loner, and that and that's something that I I relate to. I get that. But the second she ended up at this house, <laughs> kind of, I didn't like. I did not really like her yeah. anymore. And just when she wasn't doing her job. And see, that's the other thing. I didn't read. Again, I did not read the back of the book, so I really thought the plot was going to really revolve around her writing the, ex- the additional books in this series. <laughs> that's where I thought it was, that's kind of how it opens, apart from the weird decapitation, which mm-hmm. she like witnesses a terrible accident at the very beginning of the book, which I'm not sure. I don't really know what that added to. I mean, it's a great way to start a book. Cause it's, I think uh, the whole way like, she's book. covered in blood was a foreshadowing when you look at the book overall it seems like a i don't know it, it seems that they kind came of together thing. over a death and that's how they bonded in the end right. too yeah i suppose just some symmetry and, and foreshadowing just not a lot of depth and not it was very the plot seemed to basically just repeat itself over and over again she would kind of have a nice moment with jeremy it's like oh kind of like each other and she would read more of the autobiography, be horrified, be like, okay, now I'm going to leave. I have to leave. This house is crazy. Verity is crazy. And then nice moment with Jeremy, autobiography. Like, I have to leave. I have to leave. And I'm like, okay, then fucking leave then. Stop saying you're going to leave. You're driving. Like, let's go. You've never had decision paralysis, have you? <laughs> over and over and over about the same thing, especially when it's getting progressively, you know, this I'm putting in an air quotes autobiography is getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know. It's just, it just got exhausting. She kept repeating, I need to get out of this house. I need to get out of this house. And then just sat there <laughs> and was not doing her job by any means to that write these books. Was to write these books, I even <laughs> which I realize is part of the plot. Like if she would have just done her job, we wouldn't have had a story. No, I know, but <laughs> I understand that. Then I feel like you could have come up with some other reason for her to be at the house, or I don't know, because the whole it was just to get her there. It wasn't really about that, and I didn't know it wasn't going to be about that. <laughs> so I was like, she oh. did end up writing the books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I did not particularly um, care for either of them. And then especially later on when we get to like the big main twist God, where I, I this, don't know how I feel about that. The, the twist is the autobiography that Owen has been reading apparent in it. Verity admits to killing one of her twins. She's got, two girls and a younger boy and she murders one of the twins because she just never felt a connection with this twin. I don't know. She had all kinds of kind of related to postpartum depression and not really wanting kids. And then for some reason did bond with one of the twins, but not the other. Admits to killing the twin in in this autobiography. Again, she's also pretending to be injured currently. Yes, she is. But she's not. <laughs> a, I don't know. I don't, I don't know think what she that was medical like, state would be called. Yeah, because she's not in a coma. She's no. not paralyzed. I don't know what she's pretending to she be. She has a like 
she has a TBI and doesn't have like functioning to speak or to comprehend and respond to incoming information, but she can eat and she can apparently, but it's all fake. She can actually, and she's just waiting for the books to get finished because she needs the money and she just wants to leave with the younger son. Yeah. And what it comes down to is Jeremy and Lowen just take this autobiography as pure fact. They do not discuss it with her. They don't ask. They don't say. Well, they do, but they, not. Not her. At the very end, they come up and ask her. I don't think right so. Right before they kill her. Well, they don't let her. Well, she doesn't say anything because I guess maybe she's still pretending. So she hasn't spoken for her. I don't know. They just straight up murder her is what it comes down to. They murder her without any like actual proof. I already did not care for these characters. And now I'm like, you guys are, well, now you're, you're, you're criminal. (laughs) And Lowen went from being someone who was potentially relatable at the beginning to someone I'm like, I don't understand you at all. The way they went up. I'm, in a book, I'm not opposed to murder. No, of course not. But it's the way that they, like, jumped to that conclusion that made them unlikable for me. Jump to, like, yeah, you shouldn't automatically go to, let's murder her. It seemed like Wait, a stretch. What? what? what but it also lets about? us know, like, how his poor, like, they were as, like, if they aren't good people. I guess not, but I feel so like... So found a good match. They certainly deserve each other. That's what I was saying at the end. I'm like, well, I guess they deserve each other because I feel like even afterwards, they don't even seem that bothered because they do. The second they murdered her, I was like, you guys have made some kind of critical error here. I mean, not just because it's a crime, but something. I thought they were just going to like put her away in a home and just leave her. That's probably what they should have done. Like, all right, you want to keep playing this out? We're going to leave with our son. Yeah. And, and start a life while you keep pretending to be ill. Enjoy. And By the I way, if kinda, you ever say anything, we're publishing this. Wait, but it's not, it's, even if you did, it's not a confession. It's, I don't even know if that would work. I don't even know if you could you use it as a lawyer confession. If like, if you wrote way. something, like, if I wrote down, um, like, pretended that I killed someone and I used my name on it. That's not a confession because it's fake. It didn't happen. I think you it can't, could you can't be used as part to... of your evidence though. And it, I mean, that's what you should do. You should take it to the court and let them decide. But Right, but a lawyer is going to magic that away. You know, she's an author. This is what she does. She writes things. But the opposing counsel will be like, this is an extremely detailed account of events. She's a very good writer. Details. She okay. writes details. This is her job. Details of actual accounts, then. Right. I'm yeah. sure a psychologist will get pulled in. Or that, um, because she claims later on they find a letter where she claims that none of this was was actually true in the yeah. autobiography. This is not how it went. Down. I did not like that part. I'm just gonna say that flat out. That came up, and I was just like, "Well, that's the twist." It was a bad twist. I to the point like would agree with that. <laughs> to a certain extent, fine for me as a reader when I was going through it. 
and it was an entire chapter. It's a fucking long letter. It was a long letter. I'm not, I did not read it all. I did a lot of skimming on the letter. I was like, this is too much. We were basically trying to rewrite the entire story from her perspective in one chapter, and that, I think, was an effect. I don't think it was a effect. I would agree with that. And it did a lot of washing away of anything that was actually kind of potentially interesting about Verity. The thing that I... It was like anti-mom and anti-kid right. mentalities. I kind of liked at the beginning... Because that's something that actually happens and it doesn't get talked about. Before. It doesn't get talked a lot about. And, it's a, you know, obviously I was not condoning child neglect, child's harm in any way. But, like, especially at the beginning when she's not sure she's pregnant, she's not sure if she wants to be a mom. And right when the babies come, like, she's not happy about it. This isn't what she wanted. And she only I was like, interesting. And I think, it, I think that made her character really, really... I like Verity the most of all, the fake Oh, I agree. I like, I agree. But, like, I related to some of that. Like, she talked a while about, like, not connecting to breastfeeding. And now I am not a parent. I don't know. I have been trying for almost eight years now. But I routinely have nightmares about breastfeeding. All the time. I don't even have kids. I can't even imagine, like, what that would be like to not feel like you're connecting with your kid if you already don't want it. So, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know what breastfeeding is going to be like for me if we ever get there. Right. Already having nightmares about it. And, you know, and later on in the letter, all of that is walked back and it sounds, it, according to, and kind of at the end, you're still not sure which one is fully, like she tries, it's never true. She loved all of her kids equally. None of this was true. Okay. And I don't think any parent can truly love all their kids equally. Okay. Well, how could you? They're different. <laughs> like different. You're gonna relate to one kid more than the other. I'm sorry. It <laughs> doesn't mean you dislike the other ones. It just means you relate better, which in my mind is what people are talking about when they're like, "Oh, I love them equally." I'm like, no, there's one that you like. I really want to play baseball with you, and there's the other one that you're like, "Man, if we have to watch this movie one more time." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was a, a downer because really the only way they played that they played that anti mom thing as they made her into like a villain like it's a mon she's like a monster and obviously she takes it too far but that's what makes her villain i don't i didn't get any like making her crazy like i think she did a good job in like writing the like quote-unquote memoir from like this like this is what a real person looks like right but then at the end she's like none of that was true so that makes it seem like that could only happen fictitiously i'm like no that happens mm. to people <laughs> yeah but see i was still kind of confused at the end because i hate jeremy <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually not starting more like more load or jeremy if she was the loving mother that she claims in this letter how because he had read the autobiography previously though in Showing it to him was not like the first time he saw it, or parts of it, or it was something confusing. The whole thing. And I was like, if that was true, how could he even think this was true, or at least not murder, like not go straight to murder? I don't think he thought it was true. Then what is he doing? He's just being a dick. Yes. Ugh. Isn't that what the letter was talking about? I don't know. I guess so. I don't like, know. It was a long letter. <laughs> it was a long letter. I didn't quite get it, but didn't he? 
try and murder her already? Wasn't that the Oh, yeah, but that was because he had read the autobiography. It was He thought she did it at the beginning. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, I'm, the first time he read it. So, and then she had ended that autobiography. I'm going to drive my car into a tree or whatever it said. So he, so he was like, made it happen. But he was doing it out of reve- quote unquote revenge. But, so I'm like, was she actually like the loving mo-? Like, so I'm why still not even have- sure which one. <laughs> and maybe that's the point. Okay, but like, why would he have brought her back into the house if that was the case? I don't know. If I swear that's what it said. you for your kids' lives, you did not love her anymore, all that, why bring her to the house? Why not just put her in a home? I don't know. You should have done that. Yeah, you should have done Which that. Which is what leads me to the memoir was probably the true. Probably. Well, and her letter was an attempt to either get back at him or try and save her name. I don't know. My impression is the letter was a last-ditch attempt for her to, like, rewrite history after she fucked up a lot. It could be. I, I'm not 100% sure either way. The, I, the only thing that stops me there is I think if the memoir was 100% true and this was kind of how she, she actually was, she would have murdered Lowen. Lowen would not have made it through this uh, excursion at the house. Especially, you know, when she's being with Jeremy and like if she's that obsessive about her husband, Lowen would she'd be dead. I wonder if she would still be obsessive after. I mean, I suppose if that story of Vance is true, he didn't try and kill her. No, because in the memoir, he finds out somehow. I don't he he picks up the pieces because the boy is talking about mommy told me to hold my breath. Right. And she starts to worry about that. And the only way she can think of out of that is to kill herself. It's a bit funky. It's a bit funky, but you know, as you can see, a lot, a lot to talk about and a lot to, a lot yeah. to sort through. But in the end, either way, I don't think they should have murdered her. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of just kind of unlikable people, but not like interesting, unlikable. Just like ugh. ready for recommendation. All right, six, six. If you like mm-hmm. this book, you like. If you like that book, you like this book. Okay, this sucks because I don't know what it's called and I didn't actually read it but <laughs> no so it's a, it's one of the Nicholas Sparkly I've never read a Nicholas Sparkly but oh I want to say Jen and I watched one where it ended up being more like a thriller like you know oh. it seems like she was just moving to a small town and like was meeting a guy or whatever but turned out she was actually being like stalked by this other guy right. and uh, say it's like Safe haven, safe play. It's something like that, I think, just from watching the movie. Because it is. It's like that romance thriller yeah. overlap. So kind of like say. The, the TV show You. Yeah. Or, I mean, to a certain extent, the Fouquet of the Grey. I guess. They probably found a little bit of kinship together. So, yeah, I would say if you like. I think it's Safe Haven. Safe Haven, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. In that vibe. If you're into those. Very you'll 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 get a kick out of it. Injurious and sexual kind of flat characters. Alright. Next up we're going to make some cauliflower stuff. We're gonna get ourselves set up in the kitchen and we'll be back with you in a jiffy. Alright. So we are in our kitchen, ready to make what do we call them crazy cauliflower. I think you call it yeah, crazy cauliflower. 
And we're going to start with why we chose these. Yes. The cauliflower is simply because we decide we don't need to make full-on meals for all of these, and Patrol's vegetarian, so it just worked. I think it also fits with kind of what we were talking about, the characters. Yes, they have some interesting points, which we're going to get to with them. The enhancements of the cauliflower, but cauliflower itself is kind of bland. Yeah, and there's not a lot of flavor. I know some people really love cauliflower. I mean, I like it too. I like it when it's in it something yeah. in its season. But other, you know, just plain cauliflower, it's kind of reminds me of you know Lil and Jeremy up there. But then the rest of it is spicy, sweet um, sauce that we're putting on, and that was for that kind of whiplashy back and forth, oh, I love him, oh, I don't, or we're crazy, or we're not, um, kind of thing we were getting from the book. And especially at the end with, with the letter, because she's got this whole, like, book being kind of this, portrayed as this villain, and at the end, whether it's true or not, we can have a debate about it, is, <laughs> oh, no, I was actually a very loving mother and a loving wife, and a little so, okay, so, yeah, whiplash between, uh, between our favorite healthy and sweet. Which brings us to ingredients. Cauliflower, can you believe it? Cauliflower. Number one. Cauliflower. We have some ground pequin peppers, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, my apologies. Tell us we did it wrong in the comments. <laughs> and then for the batter, because uh, we're going to be deep frying these. Flour, baking powder, salt, sugar, and some butter. We did some melted flannel lakes. And then for the dressing per se that we're gonna do, we're gonna have vinegar, tomato paste, the pequin seeds, some garlic with parsley, onion powder, ginger, cayenne pepper, chili powder, and some olive oil. As well as I can't even remember the names of these peppers. There was some kind of chili. Not that that really narrows it down, but I think they're chili. It's a green pepper that's thinner and about the length of a finger. Basically, I went and said, "Hmm, here's some peppers." And they did look we, beautiful. We grabbed a few uh, different spices, and we're gonna see how well we can rub it out. And to top that all off, for the sweet part, straight up sugar. Um, you could also use honey if you like a bit more of a natural. That sugar is natural, but people like that honey flavor a bit better. And we have kind of, I don't know what to call it, like new new kitchen tech. I've actually had it in my cabinet for a while, but kind of actually forgot about it, but I did buy myself a little little baby food processor. I don't even think it was 50 bucks, so it's probably not quite top of the line, but... And we used that for the peppers. peppers. The peppers peppers were just right out stored, but... And we used that to, like... Grind them a little bit, yeah. make them, it, it seemed to work. And we're gonna start with the sauce, then we'll make the batter and deep fry, because then you strain them and while they're still warm, you kind of mix them up and then eat. And we're gonna do some makeshifty, uh, we don't have a slotted spoon, we're gonna use a slotted spatula, so it's gonna be fun to get them out. To be clear, I do have a slotted spoon, but it is not metal, and that would be not impossible to go into your hot oil. plastic in your hot oil, it will bubble and get gross. Science! So, I'm going to start mixing up. Katie's going to chop up the fresh peppers as finely as you can. Okay. 
And while she's doing that, I'm gonna take one of those tiny cans of tomato paste into just a large bowl, because this is also gonna be the bowl I just gotta toss them in. No point in having two bowls if I don't have to. Drizzle of olive oil. Tomato paste probably already has a little in it. I just want a little more to make this a little thick out. And I'm gonna add some white wine vinegar. Um, White vinegar is what we find. White wine vinegar is what we have, so that's fine. And this is to balance it out and thin it out. And I'm basically going to add and whisk until I like the consistency, so going as thick or thin as you want. If these fry up well, a thin sauce will do just as good as a thick sauce. And while we were doing all this, I had put oil in a pot on a burner and put it on number seven and a half. Out of eight, so that's pretty hot. What consistency would you call that? I mean, much thinner than a marinara. It's like in between, it's like a little bit looser than a marinara, I would say. I'm gonna add a half a cup of sugar, teaspoon of onion powder-ish, and I'm gonna join this. Same with the garlic paprika. Extra garlic, and then the lights are yeah, some ground ginger, less than that. So this would probably be like a half a teaspoon, maybe. But then we are going to add all of the pork cucumbers chopped up here. And it was three of those unidentified peppers, but nice green peppers. They were by the jalapenos. So, you guys know my setup here for when the cauliflower comes out of the pot. On a piece of uh, plate, I have a bunch of paper towel and a metal sieve that will dump them into. So go and toss these in. These are going to be our primary profile. You want me to do all of them? Yep. Okay. So now I'm going to make the batter for our cauliflower. I'm going to start with the flour. We're going to do. I'm going to double my. Yeah. We're going to do a cup of flour. I'm more worried about not having everything I need than okay. having too much. I'd rather not have to lose that. And then we're going to do a tablespoon of baking powder. Black pepper. spices to that as well. Since I haven't tried the sauce, I don't want to overpower with too much heat. Yeah, deep frying is scary because A, we don't know the temperature of our oil. So it could, <laughs> Strike too, one. it could be too cold, potentially, in which case we just get mush, which is fine. We test one. It doesn't true. work. We have some it out. Yeah. The opposite side of it is we put it in and it's too hot and we just get sprays of that doesn't sound good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds dangerous. So I recommend staying away just in case when I put these in. No point. Okay. Back away. Scary part. I know. Now you prefaced it so much. Well, this is good because some, you know, book was supposed to be scary. I didn't think it was particularly scary, but some people might. Turn it. 
Yeah? I mean, it's it's certainly not, like, splattering everywhere. There's, like, a little bit of splatter, but not, like, disturbing amount of splatter. Okay. That was, like, what, 15 seconds? 20? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it looks nice and brown. Nice. All right. We'll do a few at a time. They look beautiful. They're a really nice color. Golden brown. All right, so I'm going to boil it down. You are going to gently stir so they're nice and coated. All right, you ready to try these? Yeah, I yeah. Guess they do smell. They smell very good. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. It does taste good. I think it's better than the cauliflower. Did. Yeah, I like it firmer. A little like it works well. And the peppers are too much. It's kind of it does taste ketchupy, but then just with like a kick at the spicy end. ketchup. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah. Not too spicy, not too sweet. So moral of the story is we really like this one. Yeah. This is one of our better foods. Yeah. That. I'm not very positive. Positive <laughs> note. Next episode, which will be episode three of season three, we're going to be discussing The Seed Keeper by Diane Wilson. And no spoilers, but we will be having a very special guest. Our very first one. Our very first guest. First guest star. Mm -hmm. And it's not Percy. With that, we are, are the Book Bunch and we did brunch. Ha, ha, ha.